What up, guys and girls? It's Bobby coming to you live for these this week's episode of my a brain body Bobby. So this week I take a look at CBD. Uh, I took a look at the research out there on CBD, read through all the research, read through the papers, and then kind of synthesize all my ideas and all that I learned into this week's podcast. Um, talk a lot about the you know some of the um, about the cannabinoid system, cannabinoid cannabinoids in general, and some of the effects of cannabinoids in the body. Uh, kind of a sciencey podcast, but. Uh, I think it's good to sit down and actually go through the literature to see uh, whether or not CBD and and then cannabinoids are even worth taking uh, for athletes. Uh, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to uh, Paragon Recovery. You know, Paragon Recovery is our sponsor uh, of not only the podcast but of Cronus Fit. They produce you know the great supplements, uh, the Flame Off supplement this night gain supplement but they also have vitamin d3 it's official that i take as well but overall great supplements that i highly recommend use the code chronos uh, for 15 percent off and then if you're a military first responder just contact them directly uh, for uh, any other um, further discounts uh, shout out this is now the second week of the uh, crossfit open so shout out to all you guys that have thrown up Cronus Fit on your um, athlete profile, uh, and for you know guys that are doing the open, uh, we got eleven guys on the open right now that are signed up. Have not checked the, the female side yet, but uh, hopefully we got some females signed up as well. Um, like we, Sean and I said, you know top five are gonna get some swag, and then if you beat me in the open, you're gonna get some more swag. So. Make sure you sign up for the open and use a hat code or use the hashtag Cronus Fit uh, in your athlete profile to get tracked on our board. Um, uh, we have some new reviews, but I'm going to hold off on them and talk and then uh, hold off on the reviews or reading the new reviews until uh, Sean and I hop together and do our Cronus cast. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, checking out the store, we've got some more swag on the store, we've got beanies, uh, and we have fanny packs and hoodies on the way as well, so stay tuned for that. Um, but I think that's it. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode about CBD. What's up, guys and girls? It's Bobby coming to you live. It is Sunday, October 20th. I'm going to take a minute and talk to you guys about CBD. Uh, this past week at school, actually, I went to a lecture. Uh, this guest uh, lecturer from Temple University came to school and she presented her research on uh, CBD and preventing chemotherapy induced peripheral neuropathy. Uh, which is actually a super common side effect of uh, chemotherapy, especially with breast cancer chemotherapy. Uh, one of the common causes are the taxanes or paclitaxel, which is a very common chemotherapy chemotherapeutic agent used in breast cancer. And her lab over at Temple looked at uh, using CBD and CBD uh, cannabidiol and other CBD products uh, to reduce the onset of peripheral neuropathy. 
And in their mouse model, she was actually able to prove that CBD had a beneficial effect at preventing, um, a neuroprotective effect of preventing um, peripheral neuropathy, peripheral neuropathy uh, in chemotherapy. So it's kind of interesting research. Um, but what kind of spared me and motivated me to get on the on the pod for this week to talk about CBD in general. So uh, I went through and read probably like five or six papers, uh, review articles that looked at kind of the current state of CBD uh, just so I could uh, take a look at exactly what the science says all about CBD, what's kind of uh, the fad, and kind of sift through the evidence and see if there isn't, if there even is evidence for for humans to take CBD. Uh, so that's going to be the rough um, point for today. The uh, it's just to present the scientific evidence and then draw my own conclusions and make a recommendation for you guys about CBD. Uh, just a quick overview. Uh, today we're going to talk about the endo- endocannabinoid system, talk about cannabinoids, and then talk about the free radical slash anti-inflammatory properties of C- cannabinoids, and then move it into some functional uh, effects of CBD uh, and phytocannabinoids, then talk about sleep, and then finally close out with some human trials and what's actually been studied in humans uh, when, it comes, when it comes to CBD. And then finish out with some of the downsides and conclude with some of the downsides of CBD uh, and then to make my final recommendation. So let's get into today's podcast. So just a quick introduction about CBD. So in the last couple of years, I'm sure that you, you all listeners have paid attention to the news and to media, but basically CBD has just exploded in popularity. I think I saw or read something that's like $5 billion industry for CBD or something like that, uh, which could be even more uh, if you quantify all the new CBD, uh, CBD companies coming out into the market. So it's just been exploding popularity, but with the explosion popularity comes a uh, almost a risk and danger to the popularity because um, there's a very noticeable lack of regulation on CBD products uh, based on the hemp farm bill, uh, which was passed late last year in 2018. Uh, basically, it was, a, it was a Congress bill, congressional bill that separated cannabis from hemp. So hemp could be grown now uh, and be processed into CBD. So hemp is a um, strain of cannabis. Cannabis uh, is marijuana. Basically, hemp, as long as it's less than 0.03%, THC can be used for whatever. It just pretty much decriminalized it and took it away from the um, Controlled Substances Act. As a, re- as a result, I'm sure you've noticed that this year, um, there is a wide explosion of CBD products. Every supplement company is trying to get their hands and get in the break in the CBD market. We have um, a lot of um, newcomers to the market. Um, I think Beam is the big one for CrossFit. Uh, you see Matt Frazier, you see Brooke Wells, and you see, um, uh, I think, Kat Davis daughter. They all are now sponsored by Beam and have ads for Beam on their Instagram and social media profiles. So it's very quickly coming in the market, and it's storming the market, and it has all these purported uh, health benefits, especially when it comes to inflammation and recovery. 
and even some anxiety. So a lot of social media influence is coming into and sweeping this and driving this storm for CBD. So as a result, I really wanted to take time to actually go through the literature and see, you know, what is actually accurate and what is actually and what is um, just some hype when it comes to CBD. So before we dive into the research about the CBD products, I really want to talk about uh, the endocannabinoid system, which is the kind of the basic sciences behind CBD. So the endocannabinoid system is in a ubiquitous system. So that means it's found throughout our body. Uh, it has effects on the brain, on nerves, on pain, inflammation, some gut, uh, including appetite and digestion, metabolism, sleep and wake cycles, stress and emotions, and, and even in addiction. The endocannabinoid system is our body's endogenous system of cannabinoids. There are two main receptors, the CBD1 and CBD, or excuse me, CB1 and CBT, CB2 receptors. The CB1 receptor uh, is uh, activating that receptor is what commonly causes, you know, the psychotropic high that people get when they when they utilize cannabis sativa uh, or smoke marijuana or whatever. That CB1 is pretty much what causes you to get high. And CB1 is found in the brain, which is why it causes the high, found in lungs, the GI tract, the reproductive tract, muscles, and the cardiovascular system. CB2, on the other hand, is found mostly in bone, spleen, and skin. And then CBD, CB1 and 2 are found in immune cells, the liver, the pancreas, and bone marrow. So easily we can see that uh, the cannabinoid system is pretty widely expressed in terms of the receptor profile. And if we can, just from a human uh, physiology perspective, if a receptor is expressed at a certain location, that means this receptor will have effects at that location. So you can see based on the um, widespread nature of the CB uh, receptors, we now we, we can safely assume that CB uh, endocannabinoids or, or cannabinoids have a widespread effect in our bodies. In addition to the CB1 and CB2 receptors, there are also alternate receptors that uh, cannabidiol or that um, that uh, f- cannabinoids have effect on. Uh, these include the TRPs, uh, which are TRPV1 through four. Uh, I think I forget what TRP stands for, uh, but these are like vanillin uh, pain modulating receptors. They have effects on GPR55, which is a receptor found on the spinal cord. And GPR55 is kind of responsible for cell signaling uh, when it comes to calcium uh, regulation inside cells. Also, it has some effects on PPAR gamma, which is a peroxisome, something, something, something. Basically, it regulates energy metabolism in our body. And it's a... Uh, I want to say nuclear transcription factor that regulates um, uh, energy metabolism in our bodies. So as a result, we know that uh, the cannabinoids have um, have wide uh, effects on a multiple different series of receptors. Uh, and our body actually has our own endogenous cannabinoids uh, that are commonly called anandamide and 2-arachidonyl glycerol. Uh, and ananamide AEA and 2-arachidonyl glycerol 2-AG. And AEA and 2-AG are produced basically from the uh, breakdown of our cell membranes and the lipids in our cell membranes. 
uh, very similar to the pathway that our body uses uh, for um, for inflammatory processes uh, to build a, a phospholipase uh, to go into COX-1, COX-2, and then that gets broken down into inflammatory cytokines. Uh, so similar, very similar pathway that the endogenous cannabinoids are created uh, based on the uh, lipid um, membrane uh, that gets metabolized, broken down. Of the cannabinoids, uh, we know that from cannabis, there are not just uh, the cannabinoids, which are 113 different cannabinoids that have so far been identified, but we also know that cannabis also has terpenes, which are um, uh, like these molecules that have, like, these like organic molecules um, that might have some anti-inflammatory properties. So of the 113 phytocannabinoids, um, Delta 9 THC is going to be your most prevalent uh, in, in marijuana because um, basically the marijuana that we've that people have been bred now for recreational purposes are very high in THC because the THC is what causes you know the high. So as a result, a lot of cannabis products these days, a lot of strains are just prided for having very high THC content and low CBD content. However, as more science is coming out, we know that there are hundred over a hundred phytocannabinoids that include CBD, uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, there's THCA, which is THC acid, CBN, cannabinol, CBG, CBV, and tons of other different cannabinoids that are currently being studied on. And this kind of is important to, to recognize that there are a ton of phytocannabinoids and then terpenes on top of that. And this leads to the idea of the whole plant or the entourage effect when it comes to cannabis or uh, CBD. Basically, it's, it's posited that all these cannabinoids, uh, when ingested or taken together, have an entourage effect or a synergistic slash additive effect where, you know, one, one cannabinoid in isolation doesn't do as much when uh, there isn't doesn't have as much effects when um, unless it's added with the whole plant spectrum of um, cannabinoids. So this is where the idea of the full spectrum CBD products come from because these products essentially give you uh, a distillate of the entire plant's um, profile of cannabinoids. And as a result, uh, it's hard to really study CBD and uh, the cannabinoids because we don't really know exactly um, how many combinations and in what concentrations that plants have or strains have when it comes to the uh, cannabinoids. So it's very hard to study the effects of the of all of them in isolation because you know with this full spectrum or entourage effect, it's very hard to isolate individual uh, mechanisms of action for each individual cannabinoid. So. That's gonna. I'll talk about a little bit of this in the future, uh, in a little bit. Talking about why it's so hard to really um, some of the downsides of cannabinoids. And then, in addition to the cannabinoids, um, there have been a lot of preclinical pre studies. Uh, so, if you remember back to my PED uh, podcast, preclinical studies basically mean that um, the CBD or cannabinoids haven't really been studied very much in humans and are mostly in animal models, uh, usually rat and mice animal models, where they study the effects uh, on of CBD and cannabinoids 
on the the mice and rats, but there have very, been very few human studies to look, taking a look at uh, cannabinoids effects in humans. Although the one exception is Epidiolex, which was FDA approved for some rare uh, epilepsy syndromes, uh, Lennox, Gastgut, and Dravet syndromes, which are both very rare epilepsy syndromes. But this is the only FDA approved um, uh, FDA approved uh, use for CBD is in this one seizure anti seizure medication called Epidiolex. And actually, this the studies on epidemics kind of drive a lot of the human, um, what we know about human interactions with CBD, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. So that was a quick uh, little introduction about the endocannabinoid system that we have inside our bodies, and a little bit about cannabinoids um, and uh, the varying cannabinoids. So now we're going to shift gears and talk about the science and what science has shown us about um the effects of CBD. So uh, I'm mostly going to concentrate on the CBD's effects because I wanted to kind of narrow this uh, review. Uh, if I talked about all the other cannabinoids, I'm, I'm sure if you studied, would have been reading for a lot more hours and we'll be talking for a lot more time. So I'm just going to really concentrate on CBD specifically uh, in my reviews and the articles that I read. And it was pretty much CBD specifically. So let's shift gears and move it a little bit into the free radical and anti-inflammatory properties of CBD. So um, these are all um, all these all this, the next block of information that I'm going to talk about is pretty much all comes from um, animal models and preclinical trials uh, looking at CBD. So um, when it comes to free radicals and anti-inflammatory properties, we know that CBD has some pretty good effects with anti-inflammatory and, and, and preventing uh, damage to our cells. We know that CBD has uh, effects, uh, has multiple effects that causes the um, kind of anti-inflammatory properties. The first thing it does is it acts on the A2A receptor, which is a adenosine something receptor. Basically, when it uh, works on this receptor, it reduces inflammation, especially with acute lung injury and in multiple sclerosis studies and um, mice models. Uh, basically, uh, it causes the reduction of pro-inflammatory cytokines, basically reducing the inflammation um, through an unknown mechanism. It also has effects on TRPV1, and in the mice model, 25 mg per kg. Uh, reduced the pro-inflammatory cytokines that are produced uh, in an in inflammatory state. We also know that CBD has effects on GPR55, which is another receptor. When CBD, uh, it, so when GPR55 is activated, it causes a release of pro-inflammatory cytokines, specifically IL-12 and TNF-alpha, or tumor necrosis factor alpha. Basically, CBD blocks this receptor, prevents infl inflammation from going down. We're talking about arachidonic release. Uh, CBD and THC also increase arachidonic re acid release from our cell membranes. And basically, arachidonic acid is what um, aspirins and other uh, NSAIDs target, that they target this pathway. So basically, uh, arachidonic acid is inflammatory. Uh, as it's broken down, the arach arachidonic acid pathway leads, leads to the production and release of inflammatory cytokines and inflammatory products. 
However, interestingly enough, when CBD and THC, CBD is 1.5, one and a half times more potent than THC and releasing arachidonic acid. So when CBD, uh, so the, it's kind of interesting because CBD causes this increase in arachidonic acid. So then how does CBD have, which is pro-inflammatory, so then how does CBD have an anti-inflammatory effect? Well, they posit, uh, they aren't really sure of the exact mechanism, but basically when CBD increases the arachidonic acid, this creates an inflammatory state. So as a result, the cell uh, increases the anti-inflammatory counterproducts, which results in an overall net anti-inflammatory effect, which is kind of an interesting mechanism. Uh, they're not really sure how CBD plays in the anti-inflammatory counterproduct production, but somehow CBD not only increases the inflammatory side, but also increases the anti-inflammatory side to a greater extent, which results in overall net anti-inflammatory uh, effect. So it's kind of interesting um, that it does that because you'd think that our body uh, would do this normally. So CBD somehow increases the anti-inflammatory counterproducts uh, that lead to an overall net anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, moving on, uh, we can talk about cytokines. Uh, basically, in a bunch of studies, they found that CBD blocks a lot of the inflammatory cytokines. Uh, for those that don't know, cytokines are basically these small signaling models in our bodies um, that are widely distributed, uh, basically that are used in signaling uh, cascades, uh, either in, in a, to signal between body or between cells. So basically, CBD blocks a lot of the inflammatory cytokines, and these include TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha, uh, decreases nitric oxide, IL interleukin one beta production, um, decreases the it even decreases the mRNA expression, so it prevents the cytokines from even being expressed. Uh, they don't really know how it causes this mechanism, um, but it seems to be independent of the CB one and two receptors. So it's very interesting. Uh, also, we know that CBD suppresses uh, immunity. It has a wide effect on the immune system, specifically uh, on our cell-mediated and humoral immunity. Basically, it causes uh, or reduces the proliferation, maturation, and migration of immune cells, uh, almost causing a uh, immunosupp uh, immunosuppressive effect. They found that at five milligrams per kilogram of CBD, it causes a reduction in white blood cells. Uh, Basically, it causes it's a, it turns down our specific immunity, which is our cell mediated immunity, uh, and this means that um, our our immune our immune system uh, isn't attacking like bacterial pathogens, um, and instead it uh, enhances the non-specific immunity, uh, which causes an increase in anti-tumor and antiviral responses, which is um, an interesting fact that I didn't know that CBD had. So basically. CBD can basically suppress your immune system, but boosts your um, your ability to fight off uh, like internal or um, non-pathogenic um, uh, responses. Specifically, they talk about anti-tumor and antiviral, so it could have some um, preventing cancer effects or uh, anti-cancer effects, and also some antiviral effects as well. 
overall, we know that CBD causes uh, or affects molecular gene expression. Basically, it increases the anti-inflammatory genes and decreases the inflammatory genes. Um, and basically uh, causes changes in the expression of our cells. Um, so interesting. So just to just to reiterate that CBD uh, through a variety of receptors um, has a wide range of anti-inflammatory properties by not only uh, decreasing the cellular expression of the inflama- inflama- of inflammatory cytokines, but also decreases um, the uh, and suppresses a lot of the anti uh, the inflammatory properties of cells. Uh, so shifting on uh, into functional effects, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the CBD models, uh, some of the effects that CBD has in some uh, actual uh, mice or preclinical preclinical models. Uh, so talk like it's pretty much going to be bang bang bang. I'll talk about the multiple different effects that CBD has in a variety of situations. So the first uh, effect is in uh, neuropathic pain. Uh, researchers took a look at um, CBD's effects with uh, neuropathic pain. And basically neuropathic pain is pain experienced uh, when nerve cells are damaged. And this is commonly found in diabetes, and cancer, multiple sclerosis, and in like nerve injuries or peripheral nerve injuries. Basically, CBD uh, reduces neuropathic pain, or and basically makes um, uh, the pain reduces the pain uh, by decreasing the microglia, which are the neuron uh, neuron immune cells, and basically in uh, peripheral or nerve damage, microglia are are kind of similar to macrophages, or like the hunter killer type cells that uh, are responsible for you know, cleaning up um, uh, contaminated or uh, invading pathogens. Uh, but inflammatory, in, during inflammatory states, the microglia are uh, overexpressed, and basically in a neuropathic pain model, the microglia, which are supposed to protect the neurons, actually damage the neurons when they're trying to uh, clean up or protect the neurons. So with CBD, like we mentioned before, and the anti-inflammatory effects, uh, it has effects on the microglia, which prevent the neuron from being further damaged uh, by having an immunosuppressive effect on the microglia. Uh, they look at arthritis. Um, CBD dosed at 25 milligrams per, per kilogram by mouth caused a modest reduction in TNF-alpha, uh, which is an inflammatory cytokine, and actually reduced uh, a lot of clinical symptoms of arthritis, uh, whether it's pain, uh, swelling, uh, warmness, and tenderness. Uh, the similar In a similar model, they used it in rat paws uh, with swelling and CBD at 5 to 40 milligrams per, per kilogram by mouth, caused a reduction in a lot of inflammatory cytokines and reduced swelling, pain, um, and inflammation in uh, rat paws uh, after in this model. They found the same thing in an ear inflammatory model, uh, ear, ear inflammation model, where CBD uh, at 0.1 milligrams per kilogram IV reduced ear inflammation in a, a mice model. They studied it in IBD, so inflammatory bowel disease, 
and that CBD reduces gut hypermobility in some in mice, which is a model for the IBD. So there could be some possible effects in IBD. They looked at colitis, which is damage to the colon, and in a chemically induced colitis mice model, uh, CBD causes uh, reduces the colonic injury, endo uh, nitric oxide expression, and inflammatory cytokines. And interestingly enough, they tested it. Um, 20 milligrams per kilogram uh, orally versus rectally versus intraperitoneally, which is injecting pretty much into the uh, abdomen. And they actually found that uh, oral ingestion was not effective at decreasing colitis. However, rectally and intraperitoneally uh, reduced colitis. So this is an interesting study that um, kind of looks at the absorptive qualities of CBD and that... Um, CBD uh, was probably absorbed by the time it reaches the gut and the colon. So in this model of uh, colitis, the orally ingested CBD probably didn't make it down to the colon to prevent uh, the to reduce the damage. But uh, it's also has interesting effects because if it didn't make it down to the colon, um, then it would have been uh, absorbed by the, uh, the small intestine and would have been, you know, distributed around the body. But as a result, uh, in this study, they found that uh, when it was ingested by mouth, uh, it didn't actually have effects uh, at preventing colon damage. So that means that the CVD that gets absorbed and passed throughout the body uh, isn't quite making it to the desired uh, location, which is the colon. Uh, so that has, that raises some questions about absorption, qual uh, absorption, uh, and the preferred method of ingestion for CBD. Because we um, in this model, they showed that oral CBD was inferior to intraperitoneal and rectal. So that uh, it appears that uh, local uh, administration of CBD was probably more effective than um, systemic uh, administration of CBD. Um, CBD also has effects in obesity, which I thought was kind of interesting. So pretty much, uh, in obesity and metabolic syndrome, uh, these researchers, uh, hypothesized that CBD may also, uh, reduce some of the inflammation, uh, in metabolic syndrome and help prevent, uh, obesity. So just a quick aside, talking about uh, metabolic syndrome and obesity, Basically, uh, the current theory about obesity and metabolic syndrome is that when uh, we eat too many calories, um, this causes adipocyte dysfunction. And adipocyte are, are fat cells, essentially. Um, and basically, when we eat too many calories or eat too much fat, this causes metabolic overload uh, in our fat cells. As a result, the fat cells... Um, get this become dysfunctional and actually increase um, some inflammatory cytokines so they increase reactive oxygen species re uh, releasing inflammatory cytokines and overall this causes a low-grade chronic inflammation in our fat cells as well as a result this low-grade chronic inflammation prevents our fat tissue from actually absorbing fat and uh, and uh, bringing fat into the fat cells for storage and as a result, the increased fat in our body gets deposited in, in our organs, uh, like our heart, our blood vessels, our liver. Um, and as a result, this causes the insulin resistance commonly found in metabolic syndrome. 
Um, as a result, researchers uh, hypothesize that CBD can help prevent this metabolic syndrome of from forming by kind of breaking that cycle of inflammatory of inflammation in adipocytes. Because uh, because we know that CBD causes uh, immune cell shifts, it has some anti-inflammatory properties. So, you know, the researchers hypothesize that if we could use CBD, we could prevent um, the insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome from developing uh, in obesity. Uh, but there haven't been any any uh, studies looking at this. Uh, this is just hypothesis. Researchers also hypothesize that CBD can be used in atherosclerosis. Uh, which is similar to metabolic syndrome. Uh, basically, atherosclerosis is caused by inflammation in our blood vessels, and the inflammation in blood vessels, uh, when it comes to cholesterol, well, is what causes you know the plaques that form inside our blood vessels that can cause uh, heart attacks and strokes. Um, and what we talk about with like hyperlipidemia or high blood or high um, high cholesterol causes the atherosclerosis or the narrowing of our blood vessels due to the plaque formation. Uh, and a similar mechanism, this is due to inflammation, uh, similar to obesity. So researchers, researchers also hypothesize that CBD can break this inflammatory cycle and then prevent plaque formation from happening uh, in our blood vessels. Uh, also in diabetes, researchers also think that uh, that CBD can prevent diabetes um, prevent diabetes from occurring. They actually tested it in mice, uh, but basically CBD uh, reduces the initiation and development of diabetes in mice by basically reducing the inflammation and the autoimmunity of the insulin. Uh, Because CBD has anti-inflammatory effects, it prevents uh, pro-inflammatory, it shifts the body from a pro-inflammatory state to an uh, anti-inflammatory state and therefore uh, preserve some of the um, insulin production in our our pancreas. Furthermore, uh, CBD was tested in a type 1 diabetes cardiomyopathy uh, mice model, and basically CBD reduces, um, uh, prevents a lot of the heart damage that occurs uh, in diabetes uh, that is likely through um, anti-oxidative properties. And then finally, uh, a lot of research has gone into CBD's effects in uh, nerves and in uh, the brain in terms of neurodegenerative diseases. Basically, we know that CBD um, is very neuroprotective and that it prevents um, uh, nerve uh, progenitor cells or oligodendrocyte progenitor cells, which are basically like our nerve um, stem cells. It prevents the ner- the nerve stem cells from from dying uh, because it has the anti anti inflammatory effects, and then specifically in uh, Alzheimer's uh, models, CBD causes or increases neuron sur- survival rates, uh, but while decreasing inflammation. And basically, in Alzheimer's disease, um, the uh, the the pathogenesis of Alzheimer's disease is that. Uh, these plaques are deposited in our brains that are neurotoxic. Um, not sure where the plaques are deposited from, but basically as we get older, these plaques start forming, and then these plaques are damaged the neurons inside our brain, which causes Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but in mice models of Alzheimer's, CBD actually prevented the 
um, pr- like protected uh, the neurons in our brain and prevented them from being damaged by the plaques. So very interesting uh, research into nerves and the brain functions and preventing a lot of uh, Alzheimer's diseases uh, with CBD. Moving on into sleep. Uh, some sleep... Uh, so I, when it comes to sleep, I took a look at one paper that looked specifically at sleep. Uh, the paper looked at both THC with cannabis and CBD, uh, but I didn't really look in the THC and just looked specifically at the CBD uh, that was written about the paper. Uh, and uh, basically at low-dose CBDs, uh, CBD has a stimulating effect in our body, while high doses have a sedating effect. And low doses are probably about 50 milligrams and below, and high doses are considered at 160 milligrams and above. In one insomnia study, they found that 160 milligrams of CBD per day uh, caused an increase in total sleep time, decrease in sleep arousals, whereas a low-dose CBD caused an increase in wakefulness. And then uh, in specific studies, there actually aren't a lot of specific studies that looked at CBD and sleep. Um, the, the studies are very few uh, when it comes to CBD. There are more studies with THC, but just looking at CBD... Uh, and a couple of rat models, it showed that um, at uh, 40 milligrams per kilogram of intraperineal in a rat, uh, 40 milligrams uh, increased REM latency, whereas 10 milligrams decreased the REM latency. Uh, but both uh, 10 and 40 milligrams per, per kilogram caused an increase in total sleep. Uh, we also know in the same model, they found that CBD blocked anxiety-induced REM sleep suppression, um, so basically, uh, CBD has some effects on sleep, uh, by probably through some, uh, anti-anxiety, uh, or anxiety blocking mechanisms to give us more sleep. Uh, and then some human studies, they have very few human studies about CBD. They had a case study about a 10 year old female PTSD. They found that CBD reduced insomnia and sleep disturbances. And then in another study, uh, in patients with REM sleep behavior disorder, uh, there is four patients in this study, CBD reduces REM sleep behavior disorder symptoms. So basically like restless leg syndrome while sleeping or uh, night terror uh, or any other REM sleep behavior disorders. So um, not very well studied in sleep in humans. Uh, only five with N equals five. Uh, of studies looking at sleep specifically for CBD. Uh, but in the rat model, it show, there is some interesting effects that CBD does have some sleep-promoting effects at higher doses, um, mostly po- probably through some anti-anxiety um, purposes. Then moving on, I'm going to talk about the uh, human trials that have been conducted and go over some of the human uh, some of the data on human uh, and human uh, or CBD's effects on humans. So the number, the first thing when it comes to human trials that we know a lot about are seizures. Uh, this is because with Epidiolex, uh, an FDA trial, an FDA approval, Epidiolex had, was extensively studied in order to gain the FDA approval. So a lot of our uh, information about human trials comes from these, uh, our human effects come from these trials, Epidiolex. Uh, when it comes to seizures, there are six randomized trials. Five of them were double-blinded and placebo-controlled. 
And basically, all these trials show that CBD has good efficacy and that in seizures, by reducing the seizure number, uh, increasing the seizure-free days, and improving overall quality of life. Okay. Uh, in our population, for you guys, uh, I I doubt any of you guys really have seizures, so uh, I'm not going to dig too deep into the, into the seizure aspect of it. But that is probably the most well-known uh, and well-studied effect of CBD. It has anti-seizure properties. The next thing uh, is anxiety. So the thing with anxiety, if, uh, with CBD and anxiety, is that there are multiple sample or multiple studies that looked at uh, anxiety and CBD's effects on anxiety. However, these are most of these studies were very small sample sizes, uh, and they were very underpowered. So the results that they found may or may not be accurate, or in terms of may or may not have actually captured the true effects of CBD. So with anxiety. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Three of them looked at public speaking. So they, they administered CBD to people before they spoke in public and then measured how anxiety, like measured their anxiety. And then five studies looked at stretches that can induce anxiety. Uh, for a total, N equals 143. And then for public speaking, N equals 141. Uh, but overall, the results are pretty inconsistent uh, between the different studies, most likely because the studies were not very well designed in terms of they had small sample studies or small sample sizes, um, and the results that they found were probably more so due to chance and probability than the actual CBD's effects. Uh, as a result, the, the authors weren't able to really make a conclusion that CBD um, has anti-anxiety effects, However, uh, they did conclude that a 300 milligram dose of CBD is the most efficacious in reducing anxiety before uh, anxiety sparking events. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit more about dosing in the future. Uh, and then in schizophrenia and psychosis, uh, they found that uh, they had three randomized trials. Uh, basically, that they found that uh, CBD demonstrated or caused reduction in schizophrenia uh, symptoms over time, um, but they all differed on the impact of CBD and how efficacious the CBD was. So, you know, if you have schizophrenia or psychosis or some kind of um, kind of brain disorder, uh, there is some decent research on uh, CBD has some protective effects, uh, especially with seizures and schizophrenia. And then with pain and spasticity. So this is... Um, another not very well studied um, aspect of CBD. So basically in pain and spasticity or just pain in general, there are only three human studies so far done on pain. Uh, the first one uh, was in, so that you're, you guys are probably gonna laugh about these, uh, the trial populations or study populations. The first one was in young girls ages 12 to 14 uh, they have chronic pain after an HPV vaccine, uh, N equals 12. Basically, they found that CBD reduces body pain and helps them feel better. Uh, so these are 12 to 14-year-old girls with chronic pain after HPV vaccine. The other patient population was in kidney transplant patients. Uh, these are age 58 to 75 with N equals 7. And 6 out of 7 had improvement in pain scores but no statistical analysis was conducted in this, what, in this study. And then finally, 
they did a randomized double-blind trial uh, with N equals 24 for patients with MS, spinal cord injury, brachial plexus injury, or limb amputation. Uh, basically, um, they looked, this is another, I, I guess, a model for neuropathic pain. And they found that CBD reduces pain scores and spasm severity. But the, the authors did uh, note that this was an incomplete data set. And there were very a lot of uh, flaws with the study design and that they had multiple disorders. So it was very hard to characterize the actual effects of CBD. So overall, based on these three studies, um, you can say that CBD has some anti or some pain reducing effects in some specific circumstances. And these specific circumstances are um, in 12 to 14 year old girls after HPV vaccines or kidney transplant patients who are age 58 to 75 or three uh, patients that have multiple sclerosis, spinal cord injury or brachial plexus injury or basically any nerve damage. Are these, these are the only three um, patient populations that uh, CBD was studied on with pain. So it doesn't really give us a lot of information about pain. We know that mind has some pain modulating properties, but it hasn't been studied in, uh, you know, healthy humans that are, you know, like us who uh, are healthy but train a lot and it has some low-grade information from training. So uh, I'll talk a little bit more about some of my conclusions. And then finally, they studied CBD and Parkinson's disease, and it was, was one study, uh, but basically it didn't really affect the movement disorder aspect of Parkinson's, but it did improve their sleep. So that's the kind of the overview of the CBD, the literature on CBD right now. Basically, just to conclude, uh, there are very few human trials on CBD. It is well studied in seizures and decently studied in schizophrenia and psychosis, but pretty much everything else, um, we don't really know what CBD does. Um, it might have some anti-anxiety effects at high doses of CBD, but um, the data on it is not very good. And then as far as preclinical work or preclinical studies, there are a lot of really cool studies um, and multiple models that show that CBD has a lot of anti-inflammatory effects and can and can benefit from, uh, you know, reducing pain, uh, reduces swelling, reducing inflammation. However, the issue with those preclinical trials was that they're very high doses of CBD. The average doses are like in the 40 milligram, 20 to 40 milligram per kilogram dose uh, orally. So just to uh put it in term in human terms 25 milligram 20 milligrams per kilogram by mouth is uh about a uh 200 milligram dose of cbd uh for the average or like 150 milligram dose for the average size human being and then if you do the math for cbd um and how much it costs on the market right now uh, I want to say 10 milligrams of CBD can cost, depending on uh, where you buy it from, uh, 10 milligrams of CBD can cost you anywhere from a dollar to five dollars. So if you're look, talking about 150 milligram CBD dose, you're talking about at least a uh, 15 to 70 dollar uh, price uh, for dose per dose in order to have these effects.
And then the other issue is the absorption quality or absorption issues. So with CBD, uh, and like I mentioned in the colitis model, uh, systemic CBD doesn't seem to have a lot of local effects. Um, and this was also kind of noted in some of the other preclinical models in the rice and the in the rats and mice models that local administration of CBD had probably has better effects um, than uh, systemic administration like by mouth or by IV. Uh, so that kind of uh, is a downside to CBD is that the local administration is probably better than systemic administration. And then the cost aspect from a dose aspect. Uh, also some downsides of CBD are the legality and quality control aspect of it. Um, like I mentioned before, it is in the hemp farm bill, it separates it from the, uh, it decriminalizes hemp from cannabis. But with that, there is now no regulation on CBD. It's not regulated by the FDA unless it's Epidiolex, which is, uh, you know, pharmaceutical grade uh, CBD. So researchers back in 2016, they conducted a study which they purchased 84 CBD products from 31 different companies and tested them. Of these products, only 31% were accurately labeled uh, with the amount of CBD that they had. Uh, 43% were underlabeled, and 26% were overlabeled. And then THC was found in 21% samples, even though these uh, products were considered... Oh, I didn't say if these were full-spectrum products or if these were CBD isolate products. So um, that, we don't really know uh, if that THC is due to, you know, it was intentional or unintentional. And then... Uh, because of that, uh, we also know that THC can be found in a lot of CBD products. Uh, so obviously that raises some legality uh, issues when it comes to jobs because you can possibly you know, test positive for THC when you're taking CBD. And then even in the DOD, um, CBD is uh, technically illegal for all DOD service members or uh, contractors. So you or, so technically, you can't test for CBD specifically, um, but you can test for THC. And depending on you know the source of your CBD product, uh, your CBD product could have some THC in it, which could cause you to test positive for THC on your analysis, uh, especially in the military. Uh, but on top of THC, uh, researchers have also found that there are uh, possible contaminants in uh, CBD. Uh, back in, in Utah, they, uh, one CBD product had synthetic cannabinoids, which uh, caused 52 people to get sick with seizures and hallucinations because of this um, synthetic cannabinoid. And then uh, and they also found that uh, 69% of CBD products also exceeded levels of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are considered carcinogens. And then uh, there's also the high possibility of pesticides and heavy metal contamination in the CBD products because uh, basically to get the CBD products, uh, the manufacturers will take the hemp and basically extract all of the organic matter outside uh, out of the out of the plant and then distill it and distill that into the CBD product. So as a result, uh, depending on how you uh, these pro- hemp plants are grown. If they have pesticides or heavy metals in the soil or in the plants, 
Uh, basically, they'll end up extracting the heavy metals and pesticides and then condense that or distill that into their final product. So you could very feasibly be getting a very high pesticide or heavy metal uh, dose when you take CBD products. Uh, so that's, that's what the, the biggest issue that I see with CBD is the quality control aspect of it because um, it's literally, you, you don't really know who, like unless you uh, can watch the process and the manufacturer third-party tests all the products, you don't really know exactly what you're going to get with your CBD product. And if it's even has, you know, the, the right amount of CBD that's labeled, you know, only 31% were accurate labeled. You don't know if it's gonna have THC in it as a possible contaminant, and then you, probably most importantly, you don't know if it's gonna have carcinogens, um, heavy metals, or even pesticides in it that can, you know, kill you in the future if you use CBD products. So I find that to be one of the the uh, biggest downsides of CBD is the lack of um, uh, lack of regulation and the lack of consistency with products. The next issue with CBD is the pharmacokinetic pharmacokinetics of CBD. So CBD is processed in the liver, and if you take CBD, it can actually cause liver damage or the elevation of liver enzymes when you take with other uh, when you take when you take with other substances that are uh, processed in the liver. Specifically, um, if you're taking uh, like anticonvulsants are very common. Um, birth control is processed in the liver. Um, a lot of other drugs are also processed in the liver, things like Tylenol too. So basically CBD, what it does is it inactivates some of the CYP or the CYP enzymes in the liver, uh, which are used to mod or to process, you know, hepatically processed drugs. So in the short term, um, it uh, inhibits your liver's ability to process drugs. But in the long term of CBD, it actually increases your liver's ability to process drugs. So this causes a significant or strong risk of drug-drug interactions when you take CBD. It can really affect the um, metabolism and the kinetics of certain drugs that you can take if you're taking CBD. So that has a very, you know, very dangerous possibility, especially if you're taking like a pharmaceutical grade, um, like a, a drug for you know, for um, like uh, seizures or seizure prevention, if you're taking CBD, it has uh, it can actually decrease the efficacy of other seizure drugs that prevent seizures. But then it can also cause other drug-drug interactions by increasing or decreasing the strength of the drug when you're taking it. Uh, for example, a child, or not child, in a birth control, birth control is processed in the liver. Uh, so in this, in this case, if you're taking CBD and birth control, you could very possibly, you know, uh, decrease your birth control's effects, and you could probably, you might be able to get pregnant if you're on CBD and taking birth control. Uh, they don't really, so, but I don't really know exactly the drug-drug interactions that CBD has yet because we haven't been able to really study it very much. Most of the studies came come from the Epidiolex trial, so um, a lot of the drug-drug interactions come from the anti-seizure drugs, but you know a lot of drugs are metabolized by the liver, uh, so this raises the question of drug-drug interactions and possible uh, interactions uh, when you're taking other drugs. Um, and then finally, some of the bad things, one of the downsides of CBD, and that is there uh, is the lack of studies uh, and the heterogeneity of data. 
basically, uh, if you kind of noticed, in if I gave off the impression that you know CBD hasn't really been well studied in humans, it's true. It has not been very well studied in humans. All the information comes from most of the information comes from preclinical work, and these mice models or rat models, and haven't really been studied in humans yet. So it, there, we know that CBD has some effects on like anti-inflammatory anti effects and preventing like neuron damage and some cell damage, but we haven't tested yet in humans. Um, and as a result, we don't know its actual effects on humans. Um, we can kind of like like assume that there are going to be some effects on humans based on the preclinical data with mice and rat models. But until we test it in humans, we have no idea if it's true or not. And then even in the studies uh, that I talked about, you know, there was a wide range of CBD doses that people test uh, in these studies. And then there's also a lack of evidence at certain doses. So we don't know if, you know, like a five milli or like a low dose could be good for, um, for, you know, reducing some sleep or helping with sleep or high doses could be used for, you know, anti-anxiety or anti-inflammatory properties. But we don't know because we haven't been able to study them at different doses, uh, at a wide range of CBD doses. Most of these studies looked at one dose and one dose only, so we don't really know kind of the pharmac pharmacokinetic profile of CBD uh, and at what ranges uh, it's aphasious in. Uh, another downside of CBD is that um, only 60%, 60% of studies found on clinicaltrials.gov had corresponding publications. So that means 40% of clinical trials on CBDD never got published. And we don't know why they didn't get published, whether or not they had bad results, um, didn't have, or just no results at all. So as a result, this leads into a publication bias in that uh, people uh, will only publish if there are good results or good effects that they notice in CBD. So we might not even uh, know all the negative effects or the no effects that CBD has because that research has never been published. Um, but that's kind of endemic in uh, research in general is that uh, a lot of publications, they only publish good results and don't publish bad results. Um, but that's another kind of downside of CBD is that we don't know the true effects of it. But on the, on the good side, um, a lot more clinical trials and studies are, are on the way because of the decriminalization of CBD and hemp. So, uh, we have, we have a lot more things that we can look forward to in the future. So, But at this current point uh, on October 20th, 2019, uh, here at Cronus Fit, uh, I personally do not think that CBD is honestly worth taking. Um, most CBD products on the market, you know, the suggested dose is like 10 to 25 milligrams by mouth. And then based on these studies, all these studies were like at the 10 to 40 milligram per kilogram dose. So essentially you need at least 150, like 100 to 500 milligrams of CBD to get the equivalent effects. Um, so if you do like the math, that is extremely expensive. And then if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're able and to pay for um, that much CBD, uh, I mean, go for it. But uh, I don't think it's very, it's not as cost benefit, like the cost benefit analysis isn't quite there. Uh, there are probably more down, like more harmful effects uh, than there are good effects from CBD because we don't know that many of the good effects because they haven't been studied in humans yet. 
and then the negative effects or the risks that you that you assume when you take CBD probably outweigh the benefits in terms of you know the quality control, the contaminants, the drug drug interactions, and just the lack of human studies on CBD. So that's going to be the official Kronos Fit stance on CBD is that you probably shouldn't take it. And then if you're in a DOD, you definitely shouldn't take it because it can get you kicked out and chaptered uh, from the military if you take CBD. Uh, but yeah, hopefully um, this was kind of informative. Uh, I try to stay away from, you know, doing a lot of science stuff uh, and try to stay at the wave tops and just present the data that I found. Uh, the data is pretty interesting. Uh, I think their CBD could be very beneficial in the future um, once we figure out exactly its effects and the the uh, ideal administ- routes of administration, whether that's going to be like locally with like salves or if it's going to be like injections or, you know, um, or like an IV uh, uh, administration. Um but more to follow on CBD and its effects on humans. Uh, I think it could be very beneficial. I think there are some interesting studies on CBD and and like uh, anti-tumor effects and breast cancer models and some other models. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing some of the literature in the future and some of the research in the future that gets published about CBD. Um, but right now, I don't think CBD is worth taking. I don't think you should take it now because you can probably save your money and use it for better tested supplements or better tested or better tested drugs. Like um, you'll probably take like ibuprofen and have the same anti-inflammatory effects as CBD. Uh, and obviously, ibuprofen is way cheaper than CBD uh, for the anti-inflammatory properties. But yeah, uh, let me know what you guys think about this qu- uh, podcast. If you have any questions or have any. Um, Anything else you want to hit up about CBD or interested in learning more about CBD, uh, I saved all my sources. So if you want to read some more papers, I can send them to you for sure. Um, you know, hit us up uh, online at You can email us hq at chronosfit.org or on Instagram at chronosfit. Let me know if you have any questions or if you want to read some of the studies that I pulled up. Um, I think it's worth taking a look at and I think it's definitely worth it for any of you guys interested in CBD to take a deep dive into the actual research and see what's actually been studied. Um, Until next time, guys, I'll catch you guys later. Later.